27 years. I dreamt of you. I craved you. I missed you. We need to finish it. For good. I've seen all of us die. It consumes us from the inside until we don't have a choice anymore. You lied. Hey everybody, welcome to a bonus episode of You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And no Devin this week. Yeah, no Devin. Um, Devin was too afraid to talk about this movie. Yeah, he was. He has a terrifying fear of clowns. Which I know there's a name for, but I can't remember what it is. Um, it's called being a chicken. <laughs> um, so when we told Devin we were doing this movie, he decided to fly to Europe. Which was Just, kind of it's weird because he left the country. Like he lives he on did. the other side of our this country and flew over us to go to Europe. Yeah, I know, which was really funny because he didn't bring this up at all until he mentioned about the movie, and then he got all shifty eyed and was like, Well, I'm gonna be out of the country. Like, yeah, okay, Devin, sure you are. And he actually is. I didn't think he was actually gonna go through with it. Yeah. Um <laughs> seems like a little bit of overkill to me, but hey, to each their own. Exactly. Um, so anyway, we're talking about It Chapter 2, a movie that Ryan and I both just saw today in the theaters <laughs> for the first time. Yes. Um, so that kind of covers a lot of what we do in the first act of the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's been a while since we've had to just do this, you and I, without it, having yeah, him involved. Yeah, like usually we, I am turned so I can see the computer with the two screens and see him and turn to you. Right now I'm just kicked back looking at you <laughs> in the heavyweights poster behind you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's been like a year. Yeah. Because we did La La Land in the last fall. Yeah, it, it's been almost a year. Yeah. So the, a throwback episode. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're talking about It Chapter 2, the sequel to It Chapter 1. Yes. Because I'm surprised they haven't rebranded that one completely as It Chapter 1 by the, by now. You know you're right, because I haven't seen anything saying It Chapter I, 1. I would think they would have done that for the, um, the, for the DVD, but they didn't. It's just It. So yeah. I think any re-releases that they do from now on will have it. As it chapter one, it chapter two. Hopefully, it chapter three, the history of dairy. Which, if that actually does happen, I can't wait for that. Yeah, well, I think we'll get into how this movie is divided um, later on. Yeah. Um. So you're a big. F- I don't know if we've actually talked about it on the podcast. I didn't do the research and look, and I know we meant to. Yeah. Because I remember you and I were driving to Pittsburgh and we decided to do a podcast on it and then we never did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we did after that, but I think it was if we did, it was on the miniseries, not. Well, I've been uh, because of my job, I've been listening to our podcast just to check for like sound. Yeah. And stuff just to re-listen to them. And it's not on there. I don't want sound. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I think we might have recorded something and yeah. it just never got posted. Yeah, which happened back in the day. Now we're 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 pretty good about getting everything up and out. So and not lost. And not lost. The number <laughs> of lost episodes we have from this show. Doctor Strange Love is gone. Yeah. Um, pop star never stop never stopping is still there, but just never made it. <laughs> um, I need to get that one out. Yeah, anyway, yeah. So it is a lost. Ch- we forgot about it. It's been 27 months since yeah. the sequel, since the first one came out, and we forgot about it. But now we're here talking about it, chapter two, which so. actually fits for the storyline. Yeah, we forgot about it. We encountered it the first time. We forgot. We had to be, you know, we had to re, you know, watch the second one to remind us that the first one happened. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about our history with. It so okay. you've you're a big fan of the Tim Curry miniseries, correct? Yes, yes, okay. huge. You did you grow up watching that? Or? Actually, no. Um, I've always known about it. Um, 
and I'd see like pieces of it here and there. It wasn't until I met Kristen that I actually sat down and watched it all the way through because she actually had it on DVD and it rarely played on TV. So like I'd catch it here, you know, like towards the end, towards the middle. Um, I, I remember what I like to aff affectionately call the lobster scene of the TV miniseries where they battle it in like its home yeah. at the end. And um, I always thought it was weird. And I never I was like, OK, so where's the clown? Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that that's what that thing was. Um, but like when I think of Tim Curry now after seeing all the movies I have seen him in, like to me, this is still his, like people say, Tim Curry, this is what I think of. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's made for TV, so it's got the corniness aspect oh, to it that I love. Cinema Sins just did both parts of it. Yeah. And I watched them just for nostalgia's sake. And there's some weird choices that they made. Evidently they wanted to make it like a eight part miniseries, and then yeah. the budget got cut down to, make it a two-parter so that's why there's a lot of weird choices made in that well, movie yeah a lot of stuff to condense things down really heavily um like the, the whole like we'll talk about how the miniseries ends and how it chapter two ends and the book because in the time between it chapter one and it chapter two i read the audiobook for it yeah it's 43 hours long, but I got through it and I got an achievement on Audible, which I didn't even know was a thing. So, so I, I can actually talk a little bit about what happened in the book versus the movies and yeah. the miniseries. And they're all, all three are different when it comes to endings. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, but, but that's my history. Uh, as of the first one, it was something that I always kind of like was that I wondered about, finally saw it. And now it's just it's one of those movies that especially the TV miniseries, I just love watching because it's got it still has even though it's corny as hell, it still has enough like horror in it for it to be interesting. And yeah, kind of scary, kind of scary to a point. Um, but most of it is just enjoying Curry's performance. Tim Curry's Tim Curryness, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would have to say, I, I I can get into that. It's one of my favorite scenes from the TV special one. Which one? Um, the one where Richie is in the library waiting for Mike. Okay. Um, and uh, the Tim, balloons. Well, not just the balloons. Tim Curry is on the second deck of the of the library nobody else can hear him and he's up there with the noisemaker uh just saying ridiculous things to richie that nobody else can hear and he's just laughing and richie's trying to talk to the uh like li like the young librarian um and he's yelling because he has to to hear himself talk he has to yell over uh pennywise but nobody else can hear pennywise yeah. so he just comes off as like this really weird guy yelling in the library and just tim curry's performance in that scene w w with the noisemaker is just like that's tim curry so i realized something about the it miniseries which is the most effed up thing that pennywise has done mm -hmm. So there's the scene where spoilers, if you haven't seen that chapter two, <laughs> when Bill comes to Derry and is visiting Georgie's grave and yeah. Pennywise pops up with the empty graves dug. Yeah. But there's one filled with Stanley. Yeah. And there's a cross on it. And in the book and in the films, like it's, they make a big deal about Stanley being Jewish. Yeah. So the fact that he put a cross is just his final, like, insult to stan which is like either a production thing that they didn't really think about like they just kind of it's a grave so put a cross on there yeah but or it's like somebody is like you know what this twisted clown would do <laughs> just to add insult to injury put a cross on his grave mm -hmm. which i i think is interesting because that, that just makes pennywise even more evil well, yeah, it's, it adds another level that you don't really think about. I feel like that puts them on the same level as the Pennywise they have in these movies. Yeah, I, I would say so. Because it's kind of like I feel like with my vision of who Pennywise is, 
it's really hard for me to pick which one's better. Like, I love the Tim Curry one, but at the same time, I love the, the one that, what, what's the actor's name? I can't remember the guy that plays Pennywise in the movies. Oh, then the new one, it's Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. It's like trying to say, who's your favorite Joker, Jack Nicholson or... Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. I had a brain fart there for again for a second. But it's the, like, the, the I correct? like both of them for different reasons. And you hate Jared Leto for all the right reasons. It, it, <laughs> exactly. Also, the fact that I've never seen that one. I, oh. kept, I kept myself away from that. Oh, you should not have reminded me of that because <laughs> there's a Joker movie coming out next month. Oh, I know. Um, we'll probably save that for when Birds of Prey comes out. So we do have to talk about trailers real quick because this is one that we saw in the theaters and they did some cool stuff with the trailers. Yeah, they did. So we saw two trailers that were exclusives to in theater experiences. Um, Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie, which I did. I did not expect to see that trailer because the last I heard that was only being shown in front of once upon a time in Hollywood film prints so not the digital theaters just on film Hmm. so i I did not expect to see that so that that was exciting um but the other thing that they did for it was the birds of prey trailer which i found interesting yeah so the movie goes to open and they make you think that it's it because they have the music that Mm -hmm. from it and then the DC logo comes up and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, th- wait, what? No, that's and not it's right. it's real sudden, too. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, DC? Like, Penny, are they going to bring Pennywise as a villain into the DC universe? <laughs> <laughs> Which I could honestly see them doing. Penny, Penny, well, I mean, it's Warner Brothers. Who knows at this point? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they put the, they use the fact that Harley Quinn's leaving a clown to, in this one, to put the birds of prey trailer in there. Yeah. Which is a clever marketing ploy. Like I, I would love to see that more often. Like if you're going to show me a trailer and I can only see it on the big screen, I, I will be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I already saw that one on the internet, but still, (laughs) um, it it leaked at some point. So I checked it out, not realizing it was an exclusive. Yeah. Um, and then we saw the, we'll, we'll we'll talk. I feel like we're going to have to talk about Dr. Sleep when it comes out. I feel like that might be one that we do because we talked about The Shining. Kristen was extremely interested. Has she read the book? I don't know. And we didn't talk about it after leaving the theater, but I could tell by her like body expression that she was really into. I think we have it. If you guys want, if she wants to borrow it, okay. find out if she's read it. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, Dr. She Sleep. really interested into it. Okay. All right. So let's talk about it. Chapter two. Okay. So the Losers Club is played by adults this time. Mm-hmm. And they got a bunch of nobodies. Um, Jessica Chastain, uh, James McAvoy, Bill Hader. Um, <laughs> what did you think of the adult cast? How do you think overall, how do you think they did aging up these kids? They did a really good job aging up the kids. Um, the only adult act, the only adult character that I feel didn't really like line up with like who they were as a kid, um, was Bill. Bill Denver. Yeah. And I think that just might be because of that actor's star power. I honestly think that's probably why, because he he did it because he had a great performance. Mm -hmm. He fit the character. Well, I just knowing other stuff that he's done for this kind of a movie, especially with how it was shot. Um, it just, it took me a little bit to just ignore the fact of who, of who the actor was. Yeah. Every time I saw him, I thought professor Xavier split. Like, yeah. Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I see that one. Everyone like you had the three big names, which are which are the ones I named. Jessica Chastain, yeah, uh, James McAvoy, and Bill Hader. Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader, though, I think really fit into those parts smoothly. Mm-hmm. Because you have you seen any of Bill Hader's tr- quote unquote dramatic work? And he's the one we were just talking about, right? No, Bill Hader is Richie. The one of the glasses. Oh. oh, actually, no, I haven't seen. Okay. If I have, I didn't recognize him in this movie. Okay. 
because I you, haven't seen enough of him. You've probably seen a lot of his comedic work, though. He he's familiar to me in comedies. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, he did a great job in this, though. Like that he, was absolutely perfect. Like, that I, was great. I didn't want to come into the podcast saying that he stole the show because that's all what the the reviews have been saying. Like Bill Hader steals the movie. Bill Hader steals this movie. I laughed more at things he did in this movie than I was than anything I've seen in theaters in two years. Part of it though, is because of his character. He is the comedian. Yeah. Like he, he Richie as a character deflects his stress, his anxiety, his fears into humor. And that's why he became a comedian to begin with. So I feel like as long as you got a good comedic actor who could play a straight role, would have done well in this film because I feel like that's how it was written. As soon as I heard he was cast and I had seen Barry, I knew that he was going to be good. <laughs> um, I cannot recommend Barry to you more. Oh, I know. Like, Cause I think you've brought it up in every other podcast that we've done since Barry started. <laughs> yes. Um, and you still haven't watched it. So no, I that's haven't. on you. Beep, beep, Ryan. Um, <laughs> All right, so Jessica Chastain, we have anything we want to say about that, about her? <laughs> I forgot that this pen talks. I keep going to click it like it's an actual pen, but instead it's it's a Simpson pen you got me. So every time I click it, it... Ooh, lunch time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Jessica Jessica Chastain is Bev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what other stuff has she done? Because she looks she familiar to me. She was in Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. She was in. Um, Molly's Game, Interstellar. I recognize her from trailers. I, I think that's what okay. it is. Have you not seen Interstellar? No, I haven't. Oh, that's going on the list. You got to click the Simpsons pen again. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I remember when it came out. The first one, I was like, that girl looks a lot like Amy Adams. And ev- everyone else kept saying, Jessica Chastain's like, no, I think they're going to go for Amy Adams. They had Jessica Chastain booked for the first one because they were going to end it with Bev answering the phone, answering Mike's phone call. Yeah. So that would have been a cool way. To they just it. couldn't they couldn't get the uh, they couldn't work out the schedules. That sucks. Yeah. But mm. well, I felt like. And I didn't do this until after I saw the movie. I started thinking about things they did in this film that were similar to the TV series special Mm -hmm. that they did. And the one thing uh, that I find a little bit interesting is that in the TV special one, they make Beverly a bit more flirty as an adult to all the guys. Like, not overly, but just like here and there. Like, every male character in her had... Had, had like a small flirt moment and depending on the and depending on their actual friendship depended on how strong that flirtiness was they didn't do that to her to this no like, and i don't that was a good change i don't think they really did that in the book either because that's not with the exception of one scene when there are kids in the book yeah um, <laughs> there's not really that with everyone like she like everyone does say like i love you beth like they all yeah. they all do have like those Oh they, yeah, they they do all love each other, and they yeah. say that in the book, but they don't real. So you say they don't really express it, but they do. Um, <laughs> I I'm glad they left that out of this. When I heard they that didn't they, even mention it, which was they good. didn't. Um, they so anyone who who doesn't know what we're talking about, there's a preteen sex orgy in the book, and we'll just leave it at that. I could quote you on the. I could, I could correct you technically on the term you used, but I'm not going. To. I mean, it's it might as well be. It was more of a train. <laughs> um. Yeah. But it that happened in the book after they defeated Pennywise's kids. Stephen King has said that it was supposed to be their like loss of innocence. It was supposed to be something that went on with like losing their childhood with Pennywise. There's a reason for it. Not a very good one. It's not a very good one. Okay. So there's one thing I do want to talk about about this this movie, and it picks up early on. Actually, no, let's keep going with what we were doing. So let's go th- <laughs> let's keep going through the, the, the cast. So we have um Isa Mustafa as Mike Hamlin. 
the librarian. Which was good. His character and the way that he portrayed it was very similar to what I saw in the, in the TV series. Do you, do you know him from anything else outside of this? You're going to say no, but you know him. Everybody knows sure, him. I'm pretty sure I've seen him or heard his voice, He's, but I didn't make a connection. Okay. When I say Old Spice guy, do you know who I'm He's talking about? He's not that He person. is the Old Spice guy. <laughs> I'm just thinking of him on a horse on a beach now. <laughs> yeah. He is the old spice guy. But yeah, but I mean his the way that he portrayed the character fit what I knew of the character from the TV series. If there was anything different in it, uh, it probably had to do something with the book. I haven't read it or listened to it, so I can't speak to that. But I liked his character because it paralleled what happened, uh, how he was in the TV special. The biggest difference between the book and this is he was not at the final battle in the book. He wasn't. No, he was in the hospital. Oh. Because he gets, when the bully breaks in, he really messes him up. Oh, okay. So he's like hospitalized. He's hospitalized in the, uh, I feel like he's hospitalized in the TV series. Yes. Yeah, he's hospitalized so. in the TV series. All right. So then we have Jay Ryan as Ben Hanscom. Uh, I haven't seen anything that this guy was in. Speaking about... Oh, he was on that Beauty and the Beast remake that they did on CW. He played the Beast. Interesting. I, I could see him being a Beast. On the CW, yes. <laughs> I can... Okay, so one thing... I, okay, so... I brought this up before my wife's uncanny ability of seeing a child actor and then seeing them in their like forties and fifties and just knowing that that's them. Yes. She did that in this film. So when they introduce Ben's character as, as an adult, they're, they're in a boardroom. Ben's Ben's character isn't in the boardroom. He's on like a Skyped video chat on a TV in the boardroom. But but when they go to the boardroom, there's a slightly overweight adult with blonde hair talking about the blueprints. That's the actor who portrayed Ben as a kid in the TV miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he's like not well known enough that they could get away with that. If they would have put Seth Green in here, it would have taken a lot of people out of it. Yeah. Um. My wife was upset. Like I think um, Jay Ryan did a good job. There, there's part of my my wife was like, why didn't they just cast Jason Ritter, like as an homage to his father? I'm trying. Okay, Jason Ritter is John Ritter's son. Who's a, he's an actor. He's been on a bunch of different things. Okay. Um, maybe he wasn't good enough. I I don't know if they even wanted to try to cast him, but it's kind of like, that would have been a nice homage. Um, I think he did. I think this guy did good. Good. Oh, enough, yeah. though. Uh, I think the most uncanny version of the adults that they did was Eddie. Oh, that was like, perfect. And the, the one thing that I didn't like about Eddie though, is like at one point they superimposed young Eddie into his face. <laughs> like just to show you how good they did. Like, look yeah. at what we did. Like <laughs> they could be twins. Um, I did not like that scene at all. It was the weirdest transition in the whole thing for me. Um, I could see what they were going for though. Yeah. I could see what they were going for because yeah. they were trying to show that he was like having the same exact emotions at that moment. Yeah, I guess. Um, it was just a weird choice for me. Um, okay. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the kids. Okay. Did you get any of a, like uncanny Valley from the, the scenes with the kids in this one? Valley? Uncanny Valley. What does that mean? Okay. So it's the term for like when CGI looks. Okay. Weird. I knew about this before even going to see the movie. So yeah. I knew all of this. Yeah. I knew that it's been two years since they originally filmed the first one. Yeah. So these kids were like 13 years old. So it's been two years. Some of them are a foot taller. Some of them, their voices have changed. Yeah. Some of them, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're, did I say voices or face? Voices. It, their faces have changed. <laughs> I wouldn't make sure I did say the same thing twice, but um, Richie's character, that actor, the Finn, Finn Wolfhard from you, Stranger you could, Things. You could, 
tell that, especially the bottom part of his face, uh, uh, underneath the glasses, like there were times when like his jawline didn't fit the size of his body, like that. Would, but at the same time, I think they did a good job with what the uh, with uh, with what they had. Yeah, I think his face. <clears throat> I'm going to touch on everything you just touched on. Yeah. So his face looked weird to me. Yeah. Um, Ben's voice seemed a little too high for me. And then Georgie, like the ghost of Georgie was like two feet taller. Yeah. And they got, kind of got away with it in that scene because he's like underwater. But I was mm-hmm. like, no, he, he's way too tall. Yeah. Like James McAvoy is up to his waist in water and Georgie is still like towering over him mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it was just a little weird and kind of took me out of it. It'll be weird seeing that these scenes spliced together mm-hmm. um, because supposedly they're doing a supercut and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I found it a little off putting in, in spots, but like it was mostly just like when they're alone, but when they, when they were the group, it was fine. Yeah. Because you had the other members there to kind of like try to like distract your eye a little bit. Yeah. Um, the one the one thing actually with the kids and had nothing to do with the CGI or the voice enhancing, I think the only thing that kind of threw me off where I could tell that like it's these kids are two years removed from, from portraying these characters was when the, the, the kid that, that played Eddie, when him and Richie were going at it and Eddie would like snap back. I felt like he was talking different. Like, I don't know if he was talking quicker than what he normally would, because in the first it, Eddie's character was more paused with his speech, where it wasn't that he was over enunciating. He was just talking at a slower rate. And when uh, and when he did talk fast, he would talk fast, maybe for like three or four sentences or it was a quick thought. Other other than that, he, he, he had a normal speech speed and pattern. In this one, it felt like every time he talked, regardless of what it was or how long he was talking for, he was talking at two times speed. And that's the only like thing yeah. about 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 them that kind of threw me off a little bit. But again, it was one of those things where it was like in my head, these kids are two years removed from playing these characters. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to be like, oh, we should have done a better job. Like <laughs> they're kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one thing that they address early on in this movie, this is what I was talking about earlier, is that Bill Denbro cannot write a good ending to his stuff. <laughs> and I feel like that was just a big meta joke about the ending of it. Yeah. Because even in the miniseries, you have the ending with Aldra, like Bill's wife coming out of the coma on the bike. That's how the book ends. And it's weird, like, especially in the miniseries where she just kind of pops up for 10 minutes in the first part, five minutes in the second part. And then like the whole ending is just about her. Yeah. I'm really glad that they kind of cut that part out of this <laughs> where she comes to, to Maine and tries to get her husband back. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad they cut that out. I'm glad they cut out Bev's psycho husband chasing her down to Maine. Like, I'm glad they, they made, I'm glad they cut the stuff that they did. I'm very disappointed we'd not get the talking cosmic turtle. <laughs> it's, it, I'm, I'm, I feel your pain. <laughs> not really, <laughs> but I want to be there for you emotionally. So, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see how they would do it. Like, and I guess the answer is you can't. No, look, there are certain things that just do not translate from book to film. There are not. There are just certain things you cannot do and have it be taken seriously. And I am fine without having the cosmic talking turtle. That being said, I think the whole gather your tokens to throw in this fire and we'll try to destroy him thing. I think that was a good device to. To get, if you're gonna split this movie into the way they did, like kids and then adults, mm-hmm. I think that's how that's the great way because the book it the book is so reliant on adults remembering throughout the story and like intercutting the kids with the adults. Yeah, I think I think the movie kind of suffers from losing that 
but I feel like the second part tries to make up for that with the going back and exploring that period of time where the kids weren't together in the first one. Yeah. I feel like I don't know if they meant to leave that gap of like a month or two in there in the first one or not. The way that they made this movie Mm -hmm. and the way they they have it planned out and the fact that, like you said, that they had casted that actress to play the adult Bev to begin with. I feel like this was what their plan plan. was all along. Because to be honest, I mean, the first one was just purely about them as kids defeating Pennywise. And that was it. And that like month to month and a half where they didn't speak to each other, that had nothing to do with them fighting Pennywise. Now, they do refer to some things about like stuff that they experienced during the time period in like one or two sentences, but that was it. This, we actually got to see what happened. Um, Which I'm actually a little happy that Stan did blow up at his dad during his bar mitzvah. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) I I like that scene. Did they make reference to that in the first part? They didn't reference that he did that. What did they did they say something about his bar mitzvah? No, 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 no. As in, um, in the first one, when they get back together, like a few of them make a reference about like, man, this past month, like stuff's happened to them, but they don't really mention what happened. And then I jumped into what I liked from for Stan's character that they showed in the one that we just watched. Yeah, where where they show him with the mic and his dad's trying to take it away and he walks off the stage with it and drops the F-bomb in front of <laughs> in front of everybody there. Okay. Yeah. So what was your favorite moment in chapter two? Like Ooh. your favorite like confrontation with Pennywise, I guess. My favorite encounter with Pennywise has to be when Bev went to her old apartment. With the naked old lady? With the naked old lady. And it has to do with um, a certain actor who you may or may not know. Uh, or okay. you might. Um, the person who they took the uh, the motion tracking off of for the old lady when she turns into like the scary old lady. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a very tall, very thin guy. I don't know if he's... Toby saw, Jones? Uh, he's uh, He was in The Conjuring too, oh. I believe. I, I don't know. Okay. So in the conjuring Annabelle like world, um, there's, uh, there's a character called the crooked man and he's a very tall and very thin, like demon. Okay. Um, they, the actor who did the motion tracking for the crooked man, uh, in the whole Annabelle, uh, uh, like the conjuring like world, um, they used to do for the old lady in this. Okay, And it, it, it's just, I find it very intriguing and I find it very cool that somebody who might have something that is might seen as like an issue uses it for their advantage. And I've seen video of this guy on set um, working and I don't know if he, I don't know if he has some type of genetic issue, but he is extremely tall, extremely thin. And they use him for stuff like that. And he's one of my favorite, like, I guess you call him like a stunt actor. Yeah, I would say so. I'm looking at some of the other things he's done. He was in the first. He played the hobo. Yeah. He's also the hobo in this. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was the hobo, too. Um, He was in. God, this is how long ago. Like, this is how fast the time has gone. The, the Tom Cruise mummy also came out in 2017. Like, I completely forgot that was the same year as it. Yeah. Um, he was in Alien Covenant as the Xenomorph, um, the Conjuring movies, a bunch of a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they have like he's one of those actors that looks like where they when they need like a special like, body type. Yeah, and I just I never really thought about like like kind of like background actors like people that do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, until I read an article about how uh, there's somebody in Hollywood that wants to get uh, stunt cord, uh, the best stunt coordination to be part of, I forget if it's the Oscars or the Emmys. It would be the Oscars for the, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and well, for, for film, I should yeah, say. Yeah. And 
So since then, it's kind of reminded me about him. And so whenever I know he's going to be in a movie, I wait for it. And I knew that he was going to be that old woman eventually, like running out of the darkness. And just the fact that he like, it's cool to me. Yeah. Like that whole thing. Um, I think my favorite sequence might be Richie's scenes with the Paul Bunyan. That was cool. Because um, the Paul Bunyan's in the book. It has, they didn't do it in the miniseries. Um, but I, re- I, I really liked how they got into Richie's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more of his backstory and like what he was going through and what he's hiding from everyone. Like, And then Pennywise saying that, I know your secret, your dirty little... Like, I, I I just thought that was fascinating, but Bill Hader like sold like the mm-hmm. whole scene where he's like, this is, this is not real. This is not real. Everyone behind him is just frozen solid watching yeah. what's happening. And then I, before I, that they were swaying with. The- yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that. I was looking as soon as I saw the pub bunion in the trailer, I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. So I was looking forward to that scene from the get go. It's so hard to pick because they really put their all into each of the Pennywise like mm-hmm. issues. And like I said, I like the old lady one, but almost tied with it is when Bev and Ben get separated when they're in the cave in, uh, and she winds up back in the bathroom stall when yeah. they first show her and he winds up in their like basement. Clubhouse. Yeah. In their clubhouse. That, that... And, that that whole thing because and it's not the fact that they set a world record for the most gallons of blood used <laughs> it's the fact that they made a Stephen King reference inside of a Stephen King reference with a Stephen King cameo in the movie <laughs> yeah at one point I don't know I can't remember whose face it was but one of the faces trying to break in the stalls like here's Johnny yeah um yeah. <laughs> it would be really weird if it was just Ewan McGregor like just trying to cross promote Dr. Sleep yeah um, yeah, I like that sequence too. Um, and they did set a record for the blood. Mm-hmm. I remember when the cast was on Conan this summer promoting this at Comic-Con, they talked about how she would have to just go off set for a minute and just get covered in blood again and then come back. Yeah. Um, I like the, the fun house sequence with Bill, like the mirrors, like oh, that was good. where he just kept running into class. I was like, dude, like. you're in a hall of mirrors slow down (laughs) yeah um but he was panicked too and i really feel like anybody would have been like that how do you feel about how they use pennywise in this do you think there was a lot enough of the clown or not not enough too much i would almost say critically speaking i feel like they might have used him a bit too much but at the same time they built in the first one they they hit him they would show half his face. They would show like a creature that he was. And then finally they would show him and they had that huge fight scene at the end. Yeah. And I think it would have been kind of silly to hide him again. So even though I would kind of like critically say that maybe they probably had him in maybe one or two more scenes than what they should have. But at the same time, he's a major driving force for the, the storyline and Okay, so they, they wanted to have fun with them, I think. Here's and somebody that's I, what they did. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the uh, ritual of Chud, which is not something I thought we'd actually talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the whole thing of going to get their tokens and then putting them together. Yeah. I get the sense Pennywise knew what they were doing and helped them. Yeah. Because like Bev's whole thing shouldn't have happened that easily. Like he, he she should not have been able to get into that apartment. Yeah. With him. Like, I feel like he was egging them on knowing that it wasn't going to work. Right. That Thinking about it now, that makes sense to me. Especially when he, when he's like, tell them, Mike, tell them why it didn't work. Yeah, exactly. So like he was like, oh, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm really gl- glad my Pennywise didn't turn into Krusty the Clown. <laughs> uh, it might by the end of this. Um, Remember, uh, you know, the guy I used to work with, the, the one that I used to work with, Chris. Yeah. Okay. He does a Krusty the Crown, a Krusty the Clown laugh that will make the neck, that'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Can you do one? I, I, I can't do it. But he used to do it back when we used to work for Walmart. We'd be unloading trucks and we would get to our like nerves end with some of yeah. them. 
and he would just snap and he would go through and do that laugh. I want to talk about the score a little bit. Okay. There was a moment in here when they're, I think it was when they're in the cave or no, it's when they're in the sewers going to the cave. The score just sounded very stock music esque. Like it just felt generic. I, I didn't even All, notice. It. I know it was just, <laughs> it was very cartoony and took me out of it for a moment. Um, other than that, I really like this movie. There's a lot of, like, I did not expect to laugh as much as I did. Oh yeah. No, it was practically a comedy for the four of us sitting there. Yeah. And the people behind us were laughing as much as we were. Yeah. I, I think part of like, not all of that was even just Bill Hader. Like the guy who plays Eddie did a great job with it too. Oh, he, one of the, one of, one of the things that I really liked about this was that they really played into, okay, this is who these kids are and this is what their family life is like. And this is what they deal with. And then they showed them as adults and they showed different versions of these kids. Uh, and it was, they showed them as different versions of adults and how they dealt with the, those childhood issues. Eddie's character just dealt with it with, with being pissed off all the time. Like he was just fed up and angry about everything. So he would, he would just go off onto people. Yeah. Richie was pretty much the same because he always used humor to de-stress himself. But like, but every person became who they were because they had to fight through that adversity as kids. And I liked how they showed how, how that either helped them or damaged them as adults. Um, one thing they didn't touch on that they touch on in both the book and a little bit in the miniseries is the fact that none of them have kids. Yeah, that's right. Because that has something to do with, I guess what they called in this, like that virus, like because, yeah. because of what happened to them before they aren't able to procreate. Hmm. They're barons from hanging out in the barren. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think my favorite comedic moment that's not like a, a joke, like a reaction or anything, is after Eddie gets stabbed in the face and he's laying in the hallway with Bev. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, is it bad? <laughs> and she she just takes like where the wound is and pokes it together. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was very subtle. Like, like it, it split, like it cut right after that. But she's like pushes the skin back together. Yeah. And then it, it cuts away. Um, I feel like part of the reason this movie is so funny is from what I understand from behind the scenes is they had to cut Bill Hader a lot. Like his reaction shots, they cut short because he would just start laughing and (laughs) smiling. Like when he gets scared, his natural reaction is to smile. Oh no. Um, And my, my wife found a clip online after we got home, like in the final battle when he's, when it's him and Eddie and he's like, do you think Pennywise can see us? Evidently the actor who plays Eddie just broke right after that and they couldn't cut all of it. So you just see him start to break and then it cuts away really fast. <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of that in this movie and it makes it go like, it makes the, the jokes go fast. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that was a necessity for editing. Yeah. But it really helped the flow and tone of the movie and just become something that, is positive it did and i really think it was funny for the four of us too because we all like it Mm -hmm. like we all wanted this movie and like there were scenes that i feel like weren't supposed to be funny that we laughed at like when the like when the crab legs came out of uh uh stanley's head (laughs) and it started crawling around the floor and i'm thinking to myself wow this is major the thing vibes but at the same time like with Pennywise's voice and like Pennywise is laughing as this head is crawling on the floor, like a lop, just like a crab. Like I couldn't help but laugh. And, and, and I know we weren't laughing because it was hokey. We weren't laughing because, you know, it was supposed to be funny. We were laughing because this is what Pennywise would do. And it's gone beyond horror or being scary. I mean, it's unnerving, but at the same time, it's like, this is why we watch the movie. I mean, and this movie doesn't rely too much on jump scares. Like, I think the biggest one is when he's with the the kid with the port of wine mark on her cheek. Oh, yeah. 
and he's, she's like, you didn't say three. <laughs> like, um, that made me jump a little bit. I feel like there were, I feel like there were three major jump, like things that they tried to set up. The one was that one. The second one was the woman running out from the, uh, the tall gangly woman running out mm-hmm. of the darkness from the kitchen. And I know there's a third one, but now I can't remember it. Um, it might have been the doors. I forget though. Yeah, I think it was, it was the Pomeranian. Oh yeah, that's right. It was the dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh man, at that, <laughs> that was perfect. at that point they, they had to be like, okay, we've got Bill Hader in this. Like, let's just make it a Pomeranian. Like, that had to be something that they added later. Like, there's no way you go into this knowing that it's going to be a Pomeranian. Um. Oh man, I. I really enjoyed this. I don't know how it's going to cut together with the first one because the uncanny valley stuff with the kids is going to be weird. Well, I feel like as long as they keep like, I feel like they have enough scenes for the kids. I really, really do. Um, If they're going to do a mega cut, like what we were talking about before or alluding to before. Okay. So for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about, the director, Andy Muchetti, has said that he's working on a supercut of Itch Chapter 1 and 2, where he's going to, I don't know how he's going to interlace them, but it's going to be one long, almost six-hour film. It's going to incorporate a lot of deleted scenes. Uh, it's probably going to splice together the the sequences like it is in the book, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that yeah. that'll probably be a Blu-ray coming out soon oh, i can't wait for that but i feel like they have everything they need for the kids i really do i would hope I so at like this any, point yeah and i feel like anything that they have to shoot would be would be with the adults yeah probably um and most of them are pretty big names so they probably already shot it this is already a three hour long movie um i don't know like two hours and 49 minutes I don't know how much they cut from this, but it's probably a good bit. Yeah. Um, did you feel like it was too long? No. Okay. No, I I would not have minded if this would have went another hour, to be perfectly honest. Like, I, I would have been fine with that. There were some, like, when they're out searching for their tokens, it seemed like it went a little bit too long in spots for me. Okay. Um. And that that's a small issue that I have with it. Like it, it just felt like it dragged on. Like it, it was just kind of like uh, James McAvoy yelling at a sewer grate for a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Pennywise had to know what they were doing and knew they were going to fail. Because why else would he give him back at the boat? Gave him back the boat. Let Bev find her cigarettes mm-hmm. and, and pull them. Uh, let Richie into the theater that hasn't been open since you've got mail came out. Ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that was funny. Is, is that why you two were laughing? Yes. Okay. I just want to be sure. I thought so. Like the, the, it's like, I'm, uh, I'm sitting there watching the movie and they show Richie walk over to the street fighter, uh, uh, arcade machine. And I just hear you two start giggling. And I like I looked over and I looked at the screen like there's nothing really funny going on. And then that's when I noticed the poster behind his shoulder. I'm like, they're laughing at the You Got Mail poster. Yep. <laughs> that, 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 that's one of those movies that we just go to sometimes where it's like, you want to watch You've Got Mail? Yeah, let's watch You've Got Mail. See, ours is Sleepless in Seattle. Well, we can't be friends anymore. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what makes it even funnier is like at the beginning, the 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 guy who gets killed was like Meg Ryan called. She wants her wig back. <laughs> uh, I was so happy that they opened the movie that way. How so? Like, like the, the, the true to the book. I know from Kristen reading the book. I don't know if she ever finished it because of how long it is, but she's definitely gotten through at least half of it. I was going to say that's the first chapter. So yeah. Um, just the fact that they had that couple, and they had them get attacked. And I know in the book, they don't show in the book. They don't describe Pennywise actually attacking the guy. 
they they just talk about what the body looked like after the fact. And I like what they did. I really, really do. Yeah. Um, I also love the fact that they just didn't have like a floating I love dairy balloon, like that how Mike found a popped one on a bush and he flipped it over and it said, I heart dairy. Like yeah. I just I, I I loved how they opened it that way. Um and just there were there were subtle things like that, like stuff that I knew from the book that they did and stuff that I really liked from the miniseries that they kind of alluded to. Like, I really, really love and I'm pretty sure that it's the same way in the book, how the restaurants described mm-hmm. with like the red, like kind of like whole like divider wall thing that yeah. they had set up. Like, I, I really liked how they did that like there were things that they didn't shy away from even if it looked aesthetically not pleasing yeah because that's what was in the book that was the surroundings what i really enjoyed the chinese food scene because it was it was it felt like a group of friends oh it was yeah it it just felt like you were part of the gang Mm -hmm. everyone like giving each other shit mostly richie to to eddie Eddie. but still (laughs) Um, no, I really enjoyed that scene and it, 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 like a Chinese restaurant, it's a Chinese restaurant at, yeah. at a certain point, but still the one thing that, uh, and Kristen loved the movie, like she yeah. was completely pleased with it. Like 100%. The only thing, the only crit, like the only critical thing that she didn't really get was when the fortune cookie started to hatch. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain things. There's the claw. There's the dead baby bird. Um, there's the like hook or bat wing thing. Yeah. What was with the lobster baby thing? I don't know. Because I didn't understand that either. And that was the one thing she was like, she didn't like get the whole like baby headed lobster. Yeah, I didn't get that either. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what to tell you there. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's two more things I want to bring up. So. Bill finding silver in the window. Yes. That is in the book. Okay. Um, I did not expect a cameo from Stephen King. Did Stephen King cameo himself in the book? No. Oh, darn it. That, that would have been funny. I don't <laughs> think so. I mean. <laughs> he could have in his own mind. I, I, I like that they had Stephen King even call him out on the ending. Like that's even. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's him saying like, yeah, the ending of this is a little weird. Um. But I guess he only does, Anna was saying, he only does cameos in films that he likes. Yeah. So mostly sequels. I was like, you know, what if what if this is the start of the Stephen King cinematic universe? And then we see him again in Doctor Sleep. That would be cool. I just don't know how much, because... This could be half like I I don't really know a hundred percent where my opinion's coming from because I just can't get to that right I don't know why I can't get to that right now. But anyway, I'm not sure how much I would like authors do starting to do that. I'm not sure how much I would like it because because Albert Hitchcock did that in the movies that he made. He put himself in yeah. for, for cameos, but that was Albert Hitchcock. Uh, Alfred. Uh, uh, Hitchcock. Yeah. It was Hitchcock. And he's so important to films. And then he had Stanley. Yeah. And what he meant to just the superhero cult- culture and Marvel and everything. I'm not, and I guess Stephen King is enough of a genre difference. I think Um, he's a little too close to Hitchcock, though, but it's been what, like 60 years, 40 years. So, I mean, maybe it's time. It's just I'm not sure how much I'm not sure if I want to be watching movies left and right and having cameos of the original, like everybody doing it. I might be okay with it. I don't know. I, I really hope that there is a cameo of him in Doctor Sleep when they go to Kubrick's overlook hotel and he just walks in he's like i don't i've never liked this place and just leaves (laughs) (laughs) okay that would depending on the cameo i would be 100 percent fine with it um i don't think that'll happen but i feel like a stephen king cinematic universe would work if they could just get the movies right 
true. Because um, Dark Tower should have worked, but they just, it didn't. I wonder if maybe, because he doesn't like a lot of his stuff that gets turned into movies. Mostly The Shining, but yeah. Yeah. Um, He's always wary of all of it, so. Hmm. I don't. I don't blame him. Anyway, it was a nice cameo. Oh, it, it was. was fun. It was great. Um, okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is the final confront confrontation with Pennywise. The whole, you're a clown. You're a clown. You're a clown. You're a clown. <laughs> and then he shrivels up. And when he when he's shriveling up, I just couldn't stop thinking of Zordon in a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Do you okay? Do you remember in that movie? Have you, you've seen this movie, oh, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when Ivan Ooze wrecks Zordon's tube, oh, yeah. and then he's just kind of laying there in this sack, oh, like, yeah. all shriveled and old, <laughs> that's all I could think of when I saw Pennywise when they defeated him. My thing was, I was upset that Pennywise, because he was getting weaker and weaker and weaker, I was upset at the fact that like he didn't change his face. Like I was really hoping to get like what it actually looked like facially even i was really hoping that i wasn't going to get the lobster monster <laughs> that we got in the tv series but at the same time i really would have wished it to have like gone to like its natural form yeah um or to what it's like because i know the deadlights the three balls of light that's its actual beam that's what this thing actually is. Yeah. The, f the physical form it takes is just the physical form it takes. But I would have really liked for it to see what the original form it took was. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Not that the lobster creature in the f TV series was the first form. I mean, I think you kind of get that in the hallucination scene. Well, yeah. But that went so quickly, you have to like pause and yeah. I honestly think they will make a third one, and it's going to be like an anthology film of just the history of Pennywise, the history of Derry, because there, there's a lot in the book that they didn't touch on. There's a whole gang getting slaughtered. There's the black hole and uh, Dick Hollerin from The Shining, which they they kind of allude to uh, again. Uh, the gang, I believe, is that mural mural that's on the alley wall yeah. that's by the that's by the slaughterhouse that they uh, that where Mike almost gets run over by the bully. Yeah. In the first it uh, uh, Bill's character rides by it on Quicksilver yeah. or whatever, silver, whatever. <laughs> Ohio Silver. He was in X-Men. Quicksilver's <laughs> in X-Men. I get where you're coming from. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but no, I think between the gang slaughter, the uh, Ironworks explosion mm -hmm. on Easter, the black spot, I think there's a lot there that you can cover and would make an interesting, maybe not three-hour film, but like chunks of a two-hour movie. I Maybe that stuff that I know they already shot like the origins of Pennywise the clown. Yeah. So maybe that makes it into the extended cut. I would really, really like to see more about who the guy, like the actual guy Pennywise that the deadlights either possessed his body or made a copy of him um, because they they alluded to that. Mm -hmm. in Bev's apartment when she was trying to run away. They showed the guy painting his face and it it was Pennywise. It was Skarsgård. And yeah. did I say his last name right? You Skarsgård? Did. Good, good for you. You you, yeah. you get a sticker. Um, <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because the, the Dr. Sleep trailer for it. I got real Jack Nicholson vibes from him with the big forehead and like the, the, the receding hairline. It, it it would explain the receding hairline as he's being a clown. Yeah. Um. One thing I want to say that I was very relieved about in this film, and I okay. know I mentioned this as we were leaving the theater, but I'm really happy that they didn't make the door into the cave, like the way 
into the cave a little troll door. <laughs> That's that was in the TV miniseries. For people that may have not seen the TV miniseries, when they go down through the sewer and they get to the cave where it is hiding, in the TV miniseries, there's a little door. That's the size for a troll, and it's got candles around it, and it looks very almost Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Dead-ish, like silliness. And they open it up and crawl through it, and then they have their giant fight scene. I like in this that it was just a trap door underneath his wagon with a marker on it. Like, to me, that made more sense than having, like, a like a Halloween prop. (laughs) Except you could buy a Target right now for (laughs) Halloween decoration. All right. Any other thoughts on it? I like that they kept that they uh, Richie's Richie when he drove to Derry in the TV miniseries, he drove a red Mustang, a classic red Mustang in the new one. In this one, um, he's driving a brand new Mustang. I liked how they kept the vehicle for him the same. You remind me of something we didn't touch on at all, and that's Richie and Eddie's death. Yes. Um, when I was reading the book, I didn't pick up on the the gay subtext, mm-hmm. but it was a 43-hour book. <laughs> so I really liked it in this film, though, like just seeing him like be brought down by that yeah. in such a way. And they did a good job of kind of hiding it, like not yeah. really hiding it, but like leaving you wondering who he put on that post yeah. until the end. Um, cause I honestly, I thought it was going to be Stanley. Well, cause in the flashback, they show, they show him at like the bar mitzvah and all yeah. of that and proud of him for standing up. And yeah. Well, one of the things that I really liked and what got me thinking about that undertone for his character was when he was in the arcade and mm-hmm. they showed that back and forth. Yeah. Between that what's the what's the name of the boy? Oh, Bowers. Bowers, like Bowers like nephew or cousin and you know like you need to get out of here like you homo and stuff like that and he ran but the look on his face when they did that scene and the look on his face I was thinking to myself like is this character actually gay? Yeah. Because he wasn't, because he's not in, because he's one of the few ones that is not in a relationship. Yeah. And they never talk about him and women at all. And in fact, in the TV show, they, they make him out to be straight. Um, but, and then they did the whole thing with Pennywise going like, I know your secret. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know this about this character. This is actually really cool. Yeah. And then and then when they showed the E on the post for Eddie, I was like, oh, I like I like his character even more now yeah. because this just puts another dimension it, to it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting that knowing that about the character and that that's how they wanted to show him in this yeah. series. Like going back and rewatching one now. Yeah. Like it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but I think Bill Hader did a great job. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe not Oscar worthy, but maybe a golden globe. Yeah. I can, I can see, see a golden globe. Uh, What'd you think of Bowers in this? Oh, what a waste. <laughs> I felt the same way in the book. Like he shows up for two scenes and then dies. Like that's it. Like he breaks out, he stabs Eddie and then he attacks Mike. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is not necessary. And I knew from the first one, I was like, wait, he's supposed to come back. Why is he dead now? Cause he kind of falls down the well. Yeah. And then in this one, they just like shoot him out of the sewer. Yeah. And I was like, with oh. the rest of the dead bodies. Yeah. So I was, when that happened, I wasn't sure if he was, if that was present day or back in the eighties. Yeah. So there's, yeah. So it was nice that it was back in the eighties. It's like, you yeah. didn't save his body like preserve him for that long yeah no um i did like though how they brought back his buddy and he was the one that gave him his knife back yeah i mean that's how it is in the book um but him and his buddy are a little bit more than buddies in the book interesting yeah well well one of the things that i one of the things about his his friend that i really liked was i liked i liked that character in the first one um, just because out of Bowers and all of the kids, he came across as the most 80s. 
with the long hair and the goofy shirt and the bracelets. Like he came across as the most eighties character in the first movie. I, I will say, I think my favorite Bowers part is when Eddie's like, it's not the eighties anymore. Cut the fucking mullet. <laughs> that was great. It was awesome. <laughs> that was the best joke. That wasn't Bill Hader's yeah. in the whole thing. You mentioned before about, uh, how you weren't sure if when Bowers came out of the sewer, if it was back in the eighties or present yeah. time, I think I might've told you this when, uh, again, when we left the theater, I was afraid for a split second at the end of this movie, when they're staring into the glass at the shop on dairy after everything happened and they're walking out and they look at themselves and in the reflection of the glass, it's them from the eighties and their bikes. And then the camera panned from the reflection back to the street. And it was them on their bikes. And yeah. I was thinking to myself, Oh no, defeating Pennywise should not have referred them back to the eighties, like their future selves, you know, kind of like a Jumanji type deal. How like the game's <laughs> over and all of a sudden they revert back to being kids from where they started playing the game for a split second. I thought that that's how they were going to end the film. But luckily, it was just them showing them doing the same thing they were doing as adults, as kids, after the yeah. first time that they fought Pennywise. Yeah. For a split second, I was about to hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been bad. Luckily, that's a better ending than, than that. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? I don't, I don't want to get too far into this simply because we talk about this movie for as long as the movie is. Yeah. All right. So real quick, I'm going to end this with a question. In your head, can you accept that it and The Shining take place in the same universe? I can. I, I, if the, sh I can take, I can take this in the same universe. If in The Shining, it is supernatural. Okay. And not just in their heads. I think Dr. Sleep is going to show you that it is supernatural. Good. As if, it should. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers has produced both of these movies. That's where mm -hmm. we got the trailer in front of it. It'd be nice if they could get a franchise universe off the ground. Oh, it would be. That works and doesn't have two different Batman. Well, I would also like to see a decent Pet Cemetery movie. Was the one that just came out bad? I wasn't a fan of it. Okay. That's probably going to be the best you get. I don't think they're going to touch it again for another 20 years. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I, I just don't think that story is good for T for film yeah. or it just, it's not, it's, it's, it's not good for film and TV or, or movie. It's not. Yeah. All right. So that's it for today. Uh, tune in later this week when we have a complete change of pace and talk about the weird Al Yankovic film UHF. <laughs> I cannot wait for that one. Um, yeah, uh, Devin will be back for that one. So if you're a friend of Devin's and are listening to this and still stuck around for the two of us, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. This is what the show used to be. You also have a much thicker spine than he does. Yes. <laughs> uh, he couldn't stand it. No. No. Nope. <laughs> I've been making it puns all day. It's been bad. By the way, speaking of Stanley, I liked what they did to his character at the end with the letters. I like that too. That's a I much better ending. I, I, I love that for his character because I feel like in the TV miniseries, it was just he was afraid. And that's why he did it. it. Or it was it that made him do it. I like how it was a choice and he was being brave. Like, yeah, I feel like it was still the wrong choice, but he had a good reason behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. I need to watch it again just to get a better feel for it. But mm -hmm. no, I like that. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. And I'm Ryan. And see you later, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I know your secret, your dirty little secret. I know your secret, your dirty little secret. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>